Remain standing, if you would, as we read from our text in Acts chapter 13, verses 47 through 52. Acts 13, verses 47 through 52. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldst be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city, and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them out of their coasts. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them, and came unto Iconium, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Father, once again we come. Father, we ask once again that you'd be with us. Ask once again, Father, that you would speak, Father, unto us. As a good friend of mine said this morning as we were talking, Father, that that we preaching this morning would fade into the background, Father, and that the light of thy truth and the light of thy glory and the light of thy presence, Father, would be made manifest and would show forth, Father, and that we all might see you in all of your splendor, all of your majesty. Father, pray that you would come into our presence this morning, Father, that you'd speak unto us by your Spirit. We ask these things, Father, not for our sakes, Father, but for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ and what you've called us to be, and Father, for your glory. Father, there are those in light of our message this morning, Father, in our immediate presence, Father. There are those, Father, in our homes. There are those, Father, in our workplaces. There are those, Father, in the world all about us and around us, Father, who are in darkness. And, Father, we want to understand how and we want to understand, Father, what you would have us, Father, to be and how you'd have us to be it in the midst, Father, of these people, that we might be, Father, the kind of light that you've called us to be, that we might, Father, shine brightly, Father, that as I said this morning, that I might fade into the distance, Father, that I might fade into the background, Father, that every one of us might do that, that every one of us in in the midst of the people that we come into contact with, in the midst of the places where we work, and Father, where we go and shop for our groceries and the communities that we live in, Father, that we might fade into the background and they might see, Father, in us your glory and your presence and your might. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May we see them. The thing that stood out to me, I, I didn't know if we would have another message out of Acts chapter 13. I thought we would go to Acts chapter 14 this morning, but... Um, verse number 47 the Lord caught my attention with it and led me to that passage that we read in Genesis this morning in regards to light and that's what verse 47 is talking about and I understand that this is Paul speaking and I understand that the Holy Spirit had set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work that they had gone about doing here and that the Lord specifically had prepared the Apostle Paul and all that 
he had gone through all of his life, everything that he had been taught, that he had learned, he had understood, had prepared him for being this disciple that he was unto the Gentiles. And I understand that that's, that's what he's saying here. For so the Lord hath commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light unto the Gentiles, that thou shouldst be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. But this is not only for them, it's for us. It, it's not, you know, Paul doesn't have the exclusive, um, you know, rights upon this commandment that the Lord's given. We all have this responsibility. We all have been given this commandment. For so the Lord hath commanded us. It's good to know what the Lord's commanded us to do. You know, what has the Lord said unto us? What has the Lord commanded us to do? He says right here that we should be a light to the Gentiles and that we should be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Of course, the Gentiles were the ones that were all over the ends of the earth from where they were in Jerusalem. I mean, here we have this center piece and there's people all over the place under the ends of the earth. So we're talking about the Gentiles all over the place. And that's what they were called to be was a light unto these people. Of course, the Gentiles who were in the immediate vicinity of Paul when he spoke these words in verse 48, verse 48 says here that they were glad. They're glad this is, this is for us. Yeah, these Jews have rejected this. They've despised it. You know, they've received the word of God. They have heard the gospel and they've rejected it. And they don't want it, but we do. You know, we want to hear it. I mean, we, we want to know this light that you're talking about. We want to understand what this light means. They were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained, it says, to eternal life, believed. And it says, the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. So, you know, we have two different receptions to this light that Paul and Barnabas were seeking to be and to this light that you and I are called to be. One is verse number 50. The Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. That's one reception to you being light in the world. But the other we find in verse number 52 the disciples, those people who were there that received the word, they were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. So you have two different responses, two different receptions to you being light in the world. And what I want to talk about this morning is how, how is it that we are to be light in the world? How do we do that? One passage I wanted to read in connection and to what we're looking at here in verse number 47 is Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. I made reference to this already this morning in what we read from Genesis chapter 1. Matthew says in verse number 14, You are the light of the world. That is a tremendous responsibility. Light is given to men so they can see, so they can find their way so that they don't stumble over things in the darkness, so that they're not injured. And, and, and that's what light is there for. So that's your responsibility. That's what you have been called to be. You've been called to be a light. Thy word is a light, a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path always. You know, we've been called to be light unto the world. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You know, when it's dark out here, 
You know, I can see glowing in the distance the town. I can see Trinity in the distance, the light above the trees. That, that can't be hidden. The trees are there, but still it can't be hidden. It shows. And you think about a city set on a hill, if you can see the light over the top of the trees from here on relatively flat land, you know, what a city set up on a hill, we don't have any hills around here to see cities set up on to see that sort of thing. But you probably have seen it before when you've traveled, things like that, been on vacation maybe. Maybe you've been on that city on the hill and you've looked down at all the lights down in the valley. But a city set up on a hill cannot be hid. And the Lord has set you in that place. The Lord has set you in a place where you, as it were, were like that city set up on a hill. You can't be hid. You, know, you, you are in a place, God has put you in a place, wherever you are, whoever the Lord has put you, what, whatever family the Lord's born you into, whatever job the Lord's given you, whatever community the Lord's placed you in, He's put you in such a position in the midst of people that you are like a city set up on a hill that cannot be hidden. Verse number 15 says, Men don't put light to a candle. You don't light a candle and then put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick that it gives light unto all that are in the house. And the Lord's not you know, any less wise than a man who would light a candle. The Lord's going to put a light in a place where it can be seen. He's not going to hide it where it can't be seen. What's the use in lighting it? And so he says in verse number 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And here we find how. How am I to be light unto a dark world? How is it that I can be light unto a dark world? As we said this morning, we take what we saw in Genesis and we see the darkness that was there and God set there, let there be light. And we, we made spiritual application of that. And we said that the world is a very dark place. And just like the face of the deep and the earth being without form and void and God saying, let there be light, so also with us. The Lord's looked at you. He looked down upon you and He says, I'm going to save that one right there. And He's going to be a light unto me. He's going to be a light in this world unto me. And we are to be lights in this dark world the way that the sun is a light unto this world. We are to let our light shine. How are we to do that? How are we to let our light shine? And what is the ultimate goal of our light Shining. Now, some of that already you can answer just from what we've read. The purpose of this light that we've been called to be and the works that accompany us being a light, the purpose of that ultimately, let me give you that first of all, is to glorify God. So, if you aren't the light that you're supposed to be, what are you doing? You're robbing God of His glory. If you're not what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be a light. So first of all, we see clearly the goal of our life is that we should behave in such a manner that God gets the glory. That's what it, that's what it boils down to. Behave in such a way that God gets the glory. To live so that men will see your life and give your heavenly Father glory. Glorify Him, not you. 
You're not the object. He is to be. We're to fade into the distance. We're to fade into the background. God's glory is the thing that is to be seen. Glorifying God is not merely an act of worship on Sunday. It's a way of living. We're to glorify God every day. We're to worship Him every day. So in order for God to get the glory from the way that we live, we must be engaged in what? According to what we read there in Matthew chapter 5. So that men may see your what? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Good deeds. So how do we glorify God? It's by good deeds. How do we let our light shine? It's by these good deeds. The good deeds are the way that we let our light shine. It's not only by avoiding gross sins. If I can just avoid this or I can avoid that, I'll glorify God in my life. And that's, that's a part of us living in a way to glorify God. But it's not all of it. I mean, it's not just avoiding sin that we glorify God. It's not just avoiding the appearance of evil that we glorify God. We do glorify God in these ways. But it is by the pursuit of good deeds, by the pursuit of acts of generosity, works of kindness, ways to show God's love unto people. This is what God is saying, that we let our light shine. How does it shine? It shines in this way, that we show forth the love of God unto others, that we do good unto all men, especially the household of faith. This is the sort of thing we're talking about here. Titus 2.14 says, The Lord gave himself, it says, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. We're to be zealous for this sort of thing. We're to be looking for opportunities to do this sort of thing. Our Lord gave himself to this end, that we might be zealous of good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God's prepared beforehand good works. He's prepared beforehand situations. He's prepared beforehand opportunities. For what? For you to let your light shine. Or maybe we should say that we should let His light shine. Maybe we should say it that way. That we should let His light shine. You are the lights of the world that we should let His light shine through us that they may glorify our Father which is in heaven. Can, can, we, can we not show forth this light? Yeah. We can not show it forth. What's a way that we can not show it forth? Our attitude. Our attitude towards things. Read a story recently to Andrew and Rebecca and Anna of course she probably didn't comprehend much any of it except the cow she's infatuated with cows right now she likes to say the word she likes to move but he told Andrew and Rebecca a story about a little boy who had a cow actually there was two little boys that had a cow and they had to walk the cow to pasture and the one little boy that was the poor boy had to walk the cow in the rain. Have I told you all this story yet? No? Had to walk the cow in the rain, had to walk the cow in the sun, had to walk the cow in the snow, had to walk the cow in whatever, you know. Any kind of weather, he had to walk that cow to pasture. The rich boy, he didn't have to. He only had to walk the cow when the sun was shining. 
If it was bad weather, one of the servants took the cow. Well, the rich boy used to just give the poor little boy just what for all the time because he didn't have to walk the cow in bad weather. You know, he'd walk in bad weather with the cow and he would just, you know, um, say all sorts of things to him. You know, if you were rich as me sort of thing, you know, you wouldn't have to walk your cow. I can't believe your dad makes you walk the cow in the rain like this. You shouldn't have to do that, you know. It's just too difficult to work for you. And after a while, that started wearing on him. And it started wearing on him to the point that he started begrudging having to walk the cow in bad weather. And even stayed in bed one morning and didn't get up. He heard his dad's voice down at the bottom of the stairs calling him to come down. He didn't come down. His dad thought, well, surely he must be sick. I mean, he always comes when I call him. Something must be wrong with him. So he goes up and he checks on him. And there's nothing wrong with him. And the boy begins to murmur and complain because he has to walk the cow in the bad weather. It's raining. And he did, wasn't like he didn't have an umbrella. He did. Wasn't like he didn't have, you know, boots to walk in the mud. He did. But he just didn't want to have to walk that cow in the rain. And that distance from the house to the pasture seemed ten times as long as he murmured and complained and fretted over having to do this chore. And oftentimes I'm able to remind Rebecca and Andrew of that story because when I tell them to do something, immediately they start to complain. And I'll remind them that you know, the distance is much shorter from start to finish of what I've given you to do you know, when you do it with a joyful heart than when you do it with a murmuring and complaining attitude. It seems so much harder. Every dish seems to weigh ten times more as it goes in the dishwasher you know, when you're murmuring and complaining than it does whenever you're doing it with a joyful heart and obeying joyfully what you've been commanded to do. And it's the same with us. It is the same with us. You know, our light will not shine the way that it should if we allow the world. Let me tell you, I walk into the office and people will say to me, well, I can't believe you're doing this for so-and-so. You shouldn't have to do that. That's not your job. That's their job. You keep doing that for them, they're always going to be shoving their work off on you and you're going to have to do it all the time. You know, It's always the person who gives all the time is taken advantage of. You know, I hear all these things all day long. But what am I to do? If, if, if I succumb and fall prey to what they're saying, then doing the work is going to seem ten times harder. But if I look at it as this is an opportunity, forget what that person's saying, forget the rich little boy who doesn't have to walk his cow, you know, in the rain and in the wind and in the storm, you know, forget what he's saying and do this because this is something that my Father's given me to do and by doing it, I'm honoring Him and glorifying Him and people will see this and they'll wonder why is it that he can do things that aren't his responsibility or aren't his job and that he can do them without complaining and that he can do them without murmuring and that he can do them and be happy about it. Now this is just an illustration just so you can understand what I'm talking about here. You know, how is that? People begin to wonder. And if their thought process will take them far enough and they've heard enough from you witness to the fact that you are a child of God and that you know, there are things that 
that are beyond your ability that, that God supplies the strength and that God supplies the grace and that the reason you can love people that are unlovable is because God has shed His love abroad in your heart and if their thought processes will take them all the way to the end they will look at you and they will say that's why He's just like me He couldn't do that if it weren't for God God's given him that ability and they see Him and they glorify Him so this, this is the sort of thing that we're talking about this morning. The job not being nearly as difficult when done with a joyful heart. That's how we ought to do the job. That's how we ought to go about the things that are set before us. The Lord's prepared opportunities. And of course the devil's going to be right there. And he's going to be saying, that's not your job. You shouldn't have to do that. Why are you doing that? Why don't you let somebody else do that? It's their job. It's more work for yourself. It's harder on you. But the Lord says, take my yoke upon you. My burden, it's, it's light. My yoke, it's easy. Why? Because He supplies the strength. You know, the, the man in the world sitting there, he's just in that harness and he's, he's pulling against the weight and he's complaining and he's cussing and he's, you know... All sorts of things. But the Christian, he joyfully puts it on and he goes to work. He goes out there and he plows those long straight furrows. He plants his seed and he waters. And he waits for God to give the increase. We're to be light in the world. First Peter 4, 10-11 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do, or let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. But you, see, you hear what he's saying there. The ability that God giveth. You know, God has given you the ability to be the kind of light. You know, whether, whether you're you know, a 40-watt bulb or you're a 60-watt bulb or a 100-watt bulb, you know, I don't know. But the Lord's given you the ability to be whatever watt bulb you're to be. He gives that ability. We should all want to be the 100-watt bulb. We should all desire to be that 100-watt bulb. God gives that ability. We ought to do what God has given us to do joyfully leaning upon and depending upon His grace that enables, gives the ability for us to be able to do it. Isaiah 42, 5-8 says, Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, He that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee. And this is in the Lord saying unto you and me. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thy hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. 
God's jealous for His glory. He's jealous over us that we might be the light that we need to be. And He says that He will hold our hand and He will keep us that we may be a light unto the Gentiles. Now, of course, the Gentiles, you would think about the word Gentile. I mean, these were people who didn't believe. These were people who had not received the oracle of God. These were people who were not the people of God. These were people who were outside of the faith. And there's people like that all around us. And God's called us to be a light unto these people. They're giving their praise to graven images. Called to be a light for His glory. That's what we see in our text. He's called us to be a light for His glory. They are in darkness. They have no true knowledge of God Himself. I mean, I think about the ignorance that prevails in people around me as to who God is, to who the Lord is. You know, I heard a lady just this week that works for CPS. I think I told some of you about this, but I heard her talking about the Christmas gifts they're going to buy of the children who um, are in um, foster care. And she's telling some other lady on the phone, I've ordered all little crosses for all the little girls, so God will be with them wherever they go. You know, that God's going to be with them because they wear a little cross around their neck? You know, that, that's ignorance. You know, it's darkness. That, that doesn't have anything to do with it because a person wears a cross around their neck that God's going to be with them. They know little, if anything, of our Lord Jesus Christ. They know little of God's will. They're without the law of God. Know nothing of the Messiah, of His righteousness, of salvation by Him, nor of the Spirit of God, the operations of the Spirit of God upon us, of His grace, nor of the resurrection of the dead. They're very ignorant of their future estate, where they'll spend eternity. That was as true of the people that Paul was speaking unto as it is the people that we speak unto now. They're ignorant. They don't know. They're in darkness. And God's called you to be a light unto them who dwell in darkness. I think all, a lot of times when we look at people and we think, oh, they wouldn't receive what we have to say. You know, why should we say anything? And I was reading this by Spurgeon upon that very point. He says, We are further told that our Lord Jesus is set to be salvation. Be you therefore sure that He will save. If Jesus is set for salvation, men shall be saved. Let us believe in Christ's power to save. He says, We only have a spattering of faith in Him. Why do you not talk of Jesus to that fellow who swears on the street? You say that it would be of no use. What is this but distrust of the gospel? Why do you not test the power of the glad tidings or of the gospel upon persons of bad character? Is it not that you think the gospel would be of no use in such a case? You think that some places of the town could not be reached by the truth? 
Thus you have local Christianity, a God of the hills and not of the valleys, a religion in which the power varies according to longitude and latitude. In other words, there are people in certain places that receive the gospel and people in other places that won't. God forgive our unbelief and at the same time kill it. Only let us believe it and tell out unceasingly the gospel of Jesus in the unlikeliest of places and the promise will be fulfilled. I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles that thou shouldst be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. I wouldn't say it's not so in each one of us that we look at some people and we think, nah, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't believe, they wouldn't receive what I have to say. Isaiah 60, 1 through 3 says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. That's our hope, that his brightness will arise upon us, that the brightness of his glory would shine upon us and through us in everything that we do, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, that we do all to the glory of God, that his glory would shine through us, and that people would see that light, and that they would come to that light. They've got to see it to come to it. You know, if we're not the light that we ought to be, they're not going to see it. You know, we need to be a light. We need, we need to be what we've been called to be. That the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings, or the kings, to the brightness of thy rising. Now, I was looking at this about light and kings. You think about the light, it's, it's suitable for the poor or, or, or kings. You know, it's suitable for all. A fulfillment of this we see in the life of Paul in Acts 26, 18 through 29, when he's talking to Agrippa. He's telling him that he's been called to be a light unto the Gentiles, to open their eyes, he says, and to turn, this from dark, turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, he says, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did, did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and should show light unto the people, and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, for whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. But he conducted himself as the light that he ought to be even in bonds. 
even in prison. He continued, he says, I continue this day witnessing both the small and great, saying none of the things than those things that the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should, should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and unto the Gentiles. He continued to preach the gospel even in the most adverse of circumstances. Who knows but the Lord may would use you or I to such a degree. As I said, it's a suitable light for anybody that we speak to. It doesn't matter how poor they are. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter to what degree they have fallen. You know, outwardly what they look like. They could be rich or poor and be in that position. You know, it's suitable for all. A light that when men have been given eyes to see, they rejoice with joy and are exceeding glad as those in verse number 52 in our text. That was the sort of heart that Simeon had when he saw the Lord. Luke 2, 25-35 says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents, that is Moses, I mean not Moses, but uh, uh, Mary and Joseph, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of all the, thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at the things which are spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That's what happens when the light shines. The thoughts of hearts are revealed before God. They see the blackness of their hearts. They see the darkness that is in them. They see the darkness of their deeds and see their need of Christ. That's an effect of this light. That's an effect that we will sometimes have upon people if we will be the light that we've been called to be. That the light may shine upon them so that they can see, so that the thoughts of their hearts may be revealed. How do we do this? Again, let your, your good works, let your light shine. How? By men seeing your good works that may glorify your Father which is in heaven. Good works that the Lord has prepared beforehand that we should walk in. And as I said before, there's going to be one of two responses to that light that you're called to be. Some are going to reject. Some are going to despise. Some are going to persecute. Some are going to expel you as it were, out of their coast or away from their presence. They don't want to hear anything from you anymore. They don't desire the light. They've rejected the light. They've despised the light. We find in verse 51 of our text that they shook off the dust of their feet against them. As I said last week, that's a judgment. When they stand before 
the Lord, it'll be a judgment against them. The gospel was preached unto you. That was a judgment against them to shake off their, the dust of their feet. But it also have, has another significance. Acts 18 verse 6 says, And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. You know, you've been the light that you are to be. It's upon their own heads now. But you've got to be the light. You've got to preach the gospel. You've got to, you've got to see opportunities to speak unto people. You've got to do the things that we've been given to do in, in such a way that men may look at you and see, I do see the grace of God on that person. You know, I, I, I do see the might of God displayed in this person's life. I, I do see the light of God's glory shining from this person. So what are we to do? We're to be a light in a dark place. Our hope is that they might see. We know some will not. We know some will be despisers. But there are others who will rejoice. We will be a light by good works. As I said before, this can be something as simple as doing your job with a cheerful heart. And there's so many more things that we could say about it. I mean, in just talking about good works and talking about how we can do these good works. There's a lot of ways that you can do that. Mainly, we ought to pray, Lord, help me to be a light. Help me, show me, how can I be a light amongst these, amongst these people? How can I be a light to my kids? You know, how can I be a light to my co-workers? How can I be a light to my family? It leads them to question why. Why are they the way that they are? Why do they live their life the way that they do? Why do they get up every Sunday and go to church? Why do they read their Bible? Why do they pray before they eat? Why do, you know, all these sorts of things that lead them to ask the question, why? Which may open a door to the testimony of our faith, an opportunity to preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in hopes that they might believe, that they might become light themselves. They might receive the light. And the ultimate goal of it all, as we said before, is that we glorify our Father, which is in heaven. What do you got to do? I just got to live my life in a way that glorifies God. That's what it amounts to. I just got to live my life in a way that glorifies God. If I see a situa situations I come into, I see a situation, how can I glorify God here? As we said before, how can I maximize this situation for the glory of God? What can I do? It means, you know, helping out doing something then I do it maybe I don't feel like doing it and maybe I have to ask the Lord Lord help me you know, help, help this feeling that's within me that says that's not your job help this feeling that's in me that says you're too tired well you, you've worked all week you've earned the rest you know you shouldn't have to do that you know what opportunity might we miss to be able to speak into someone and be a light in the life of that person that we're called to be Let your light so shine that others may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven.
Let's stand.